the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, the words of our Lord in today's gospel, pronounced to his apostles and meant for every age, seem to ring with an especial relevance in our time. And beware of false prophets who come to you in the clothing of sheep, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Yes, false prophets abound in our world, in our society, and even, alas, in the heart of Holy Mother of the Church. In our world, the false prophets are those leaders who seek to establish a new order overturning the laws of God and of nature that God has created. In our society, the false prophets are those who, by their example and outspokenness, use their influence to promote, to promote depravity, depravity and irreligiousness among the youth. In Holy Mother Church, the false prophets are those who turn their back upon the teachings of Christ that they are supposed to proclaim, thinking in their foolishness to deform these teachings so as to be better adapted to the changing morals of modern man. Faced with these false prophets, let us renew our faith in the unchanging and eternal truths of divine revelation as presented to us by Holy Mother the Church, both in her doctrine and in her liturgy. But is this all we can do? Both the epistle and the gospel today speak of the fruit of our works. But now being made free from sin, writes St. Paul, and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto sanctification and the end life everlasting. Our Lord tells us in today's gospel, by their fruits you shall know them. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, and in the evil tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can an evil tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit shall be cut down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. What are these fruits by which we may know the merit of a tree that our Lord speaks of? They are, first of all, as St. Augustine tells us, the fruits of our actions, good or evil, virtuous or sinful. And as St. Paul tells us, the fruit of the Spirit is charity, joy, peace, patience, benignity, goodness, longanimity, mildness, faith, modesty, continency, chastity. But more generally, if the tree is our Christian life, then the fruit will be our own personal holiness. This is the fruit we are called to cultivate and to produce by our Lord. Notice the pronoun that I used, we. Yes, we are called to holiness. Each and every person here today, present, is called to become a saint. No one should feel exempt because he or she is not. This is not the exclusive domain of an elite few. Each of us is called to that intimate, joyful and intimate life of holiness with God, our Creator, our Lord, and our dearest friend. This is the ultimate and the only reason why we exist. Not to get straight A's in school, to the admiration and envy of our friends, not to letter in sports, not to get a full-ride scholarship to the most prestigious university, not to get a, hired at a well-paying job that consumes all of our time, not to find the love of our life and ride off together into the sunset, not to be well-respected and thought of by those who know us. None of these is the goal of life. Do not misunderstand me. All of these are good things, and they can be for us the means of growing in holiness. Yet they must remain this, a means. How much time do we spend in all these pursuits, and how little in the only pursuit in life which gives meaning to all these others, that of holiness? Our sanctification, writes Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene, should be the fruit of our Christian life, and we must examine ourselves on this point. What progress are we making in virtue? Are we faithful to our good resolutions? By their fruits you shall know them, says our Lord, encouraging us to examine the spiritual fruit of holiness that the tree of our Christian life should bear. The first area to examine is that of desire. 
The desire for holiness is the first step on the path to holiness. The more we advance upon this path, the greater our desire becomes, because we realize with a deepening understanding the distance that separates us from the absolute transcendent holiness of God. If we were to take a rocket towards the sun, the closer we would approach, the more we would be enlightened and the more we would realize how small and dark we are next to its extraordinary brightness and size. And the same is true in our life of holiness. The more we approach God, his transcendent holiness, the more we realize just how little and small and dark we are of ourselves. And so, dear faithful, let us learn to desire holiness, telling our Lord, especially in Holy Communion, that we wish to become holy and promising to undertake all that is necessary for it. We must undertake the necessary actions to put this desire into our effect. In effect, for as our Lord says in today's Gospel, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doth the will of my Father who is in heaven, he shall enter the kingdom of heaven. How then can we know what to do? What can be done to examine our spiritual life? This is a delicate matter because no one can be a judge of himself and look upon his life with unperfect unbiasedness. It is for this that the great saints have always recommended having recourse to a spiritual director. A spiritual director can help us to see our faults, prescribe the necessary remedies, discern what means to employ in our pursuit of holiness, for there are many and varied, and not all are adapted to our own state in life. They can help us to form good resolutions to keep along with the rule of life and ultimately to grow in all virtues. A spiritual director should possess, teaches St. Francis Sales, the three indispensable qualities of charity, of the necessary knowledge, and of the virtue of prudence. Even though our spiritual director is a poor sinner like ourselves, our humble submission to his advice and counsel will be for us the source of many graces and a necessary help on our way to holiness. The saints of God show us this in their lives. Padre Pio, a great saint who could often read the souls of those who came to him for either direction or confession, would always in matters concerning his own soul distrust himself and defer like a little child to the judgment of his spiritual director. What is spiritual direction? Damschotard defines it as consisting in the sum total of methodical and continuous advice given by a person having the grace of state, knowledge, and experience, especially a priest, to an upright and generous soul in order to help that soul advance towards solid piety and even towards perfection. Spiritual direction could also be very useful for us, particularly here at the shrine during this difficult time, helping us to see this this terrible injustice as a trial that our Lord in his love has allowed to come upon us so that we might grow closer to his adorable sacred heart. Let us ask our Lord and his blessed mother for the grace to grow in an efficacious desire for holiness so as to produce this fruit of the tree of Christian life. This is what our Lord expects of us. This is how we can help his church and the world. For as the servant of God and the mystic Elizabeth Lesur once said, a soul that is raised up to God through holiness raises up the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.